what triggered this bizarre behavior. Journey into the cold heart of northern darkness with Nordic crimes. That case uh, became like a scene from a horror movie. A new true crime documentary series that chilled the bone. The hunger for killing is increasing in the course of these homicides. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nordic Crimes is a part of the Acast family. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And the judge actually pushed back on it. He was like, so you're telling me that um, if we got an innocent person in prison, then because the case, the finality case is done, it happened 25 years ago, it doesn't matter anymore? Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of the show. It was only just recently that we wrapped up the story of Evaristo Salas Jr., convicted of murder at 15, now 42. With less than three years on his sentence to serve, he continues to try to clear his name. Well, today is a quick catch-up, as Jr. recently had a development in his appeal with the federal courts. How have you been, buddy? What's been happening? Uh, it's pretty been uh, pretty much been the same. Uh, I was I've been training for this uh, wildland firefighter job for the last couple couple weeks, well, couple months, actually two months now. Yesterday we did our little uh, physical training where we had to do three miles uh, in forty five minutes, and we had we couldn't run. We had to walk with the forty five pound pack on our back. So I got it done in thirty three minutes. Uh, oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, it was pretty grueling though, you know. I mean, I had been training for like two months now, so I've been running a lot. I've been doing a lot of exercise. I do a lot of cardio anyways, but I, I kind of upped it a little more so I can kind of, you know, be prepared for it. And I'm yeah. glad I did because it was, it, was it was definitely a task. You know, so. so how many guys, um, how many guys go for that, those positions? So all together, it's going to be about 15 of us trained, uh, and there's only about maybe 13 or 14 positions. So we'll see how it goes. Fair enough. And then, so if you do, um, if you do get in, do you do regular training and stuff like that as well? Well, yeah. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as uh, they hire me on crew, which they may do next week or the week after, we're pretty much just waiting for that because I'm done with everything. The other yeah. class isn't done yet, so but we're done with everything. And if I get on that crew, then before fire season starts, about uh, May, depending on the year, whether sometimes earlier, sometimes a little bit later. Prior to that, we go out and we plant trees up in the mountains, or we clear brush and burn the brush, and we kind of keep the forest kind of healthy in certain areas. But once we hit the fires, we'll be running up those mountains, fighting those fires. There's fires all over this place every year. And we'll be out of the unit sometimes 16 hours a day, you know, and just 
come back just to sleep, shower, and then eat and head out, and then hit those, hit those, uh, start building those fire lines and attacking the fires, you know. So, and they pay you good money, so we'll we'll get twenty-two dollars an hour when we're on the fire season. So you can make anywhere in twenty or thirty days, you can make four to eight thousand dollars. You know? I was going to ask, what's sort of the incentive other than obviously, you know, be doing a good thing and fighting fires? I was going to say, what, what's the sort of incentive to join? But obviously, that pay is a great incentive. Yeah. Exactly. So if I if I get a couple months of that, I can put that aside and then you know provide for my fiance, my little boy, or or I can put it aside and uh, for when I get out. So as we've spoken about in the past during Junior's story, with him getting out in less than three years, if he doesn't of course get out sooner on an appeal, there's an entire world that he isn't used to. But he says he's been studying up on all the new technology as much as he can. Well, I got I got. <laughs> I got a book called Eiffel for Dummies to, to teach me how to use an iPhone. So I, I've, been, I've, been, <laughs> yeah, I've been reading that. I, uh, and then I got Internet for Dummies, and then I got yeah. Social Media Marketing for Dummies. And so that's, that's, that's the way I have to learn everything because I have literally have no access at all to any of that stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, that that's it's, the whole uh, thing, isn't it? I mean, people on the outside take this sort of stuff for granted because we've grown up around it. But you, 15 years old, it, you were moved away from all of that stuff. And Because, I mean, I remember you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have the Internet. So, I mean, you know, I remember when it first came came in and but for you I suppose it's it's all foreign yeah it's definitely all foreign and then I, I had when I worked out I had this job in the CI and I worked my way up all the way to uh, to working in the office as a clerk as an inventory clerk so they gave me access to to the newer programs you know the uh, word and Excel and those kind of things and then other programs that we're doing I had to learn that on the job kind of experience I had books on the side that I would read other people would help me and then they had programs years ago at Walla Walla, like Photoshop, you know, yeah. Illustrator. I tried to take those as much as I could, but the problem with that is that in Washington State Penitentiary, there's so much lockdowns and, and riots and stabbings. You, you can't function because you're always on lockdown. I mean, these are 30-day lockdowns, 40-day lockdowns. Uh, they do sweeps, take people to the hole, and it's just, it's just you can't really function under that. Both everything came from books. Every single thing I, I, I've learned about out there came from books. You know, so. so you've read a lot uh, since you've been incarcerated? Yeah, I mean, I, I got a love for reading, you know, I mean, like no other, you know, I got an appetite for, I studied like uh, Western philosophy. Mm-hmm. I just love philosophy. Yeah. And then I went off to, from Western philosophy to, you know, uh, religion, the whole history of religion, you know, the beginning of Christianity all the way up. Yeah. And, I, and then I read a little bit of Islamic history and then Buddhist and I read like I spent like two or three years just reading, studying Buddhist books and samurais and Eastern culture, and it's just a beautiful culture. And then I kind of just bounced around and just you know uh, read a lot of wisdom books, and, and I loved it. I'm strange because I was the type of person that would love to just read a textbook. You know, I don't even know where that comes from, but I could literally sit there and just read it. Like when I was a kid, I used to just read through the science book and just had a, I just got a lot of a lot of non-useful information that I, I roll around with in my mind all the time. <laughs> Is it, that's most people in life, though, Evaristo, I think, mate. Just, most people have just got useless facts in their heads, really. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it was funny, too, for years I used to... Uh, so they would allow you to kite the light bearer and you would get, like, you know, pick a subject. So I'd say, okay, I want to... And I study all, like, Mesoamerican history, um, uh, American history. I studied all that stuff until I, there was really nothing to read them. I already pretty much knew it all. But when I was in isolation, I would send a, uh, you know, like you write a little kite, or we call it kites. It's like a little little paper request, and it's a request uh, form, and, and you just ask the library if they can send you information on this, on that. And so they would just print it off the Internet, little packets, and just send it to me. And I did that for years, and I had stacks of this stuff, you know. And, and one day I looked at it, and it was just a, just a big old box full of stuff, and I'm like... Why, why do I got this stuff? I'm literally never going to use this stuff. And I was thinking in my head, well, 
maybe someday somebody's going to need him. I'm like, no, I got to get rid of this. Stuff. So I started just <laughs> handing it out to other people. <laughs> One question that I've got on our OMR Facebook group during Junior's story was when he's released, what job might he do when he gets out? So I asked him. Have you, have you thought about what, what job you would do on the outside? I did. Actually, the last, I would say the last five, six years, I've been trying to study everything I can. Well, at first I started with, uh, I was thinking about going to electron, uh, 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 well, uh, electrician, but the problem with that yeah. is that they don't have any classes here for that. Right. I, got, I need hands-on experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, well, that's, that's probably not going to work. And then I was like, okay, well, home building, you know, building houses. They had a program here called Home Builders. I took that course, but it was only like a, I think like six months to eight month course. It was great. I loved it. We actually built this house, you know, a little mini house in this little shop and everything mm. from top to bottom. But the problem after that, there's nothing more to do. So I, I, I know I was going to forget it. Yeah. So I was like, well, I got into computer programming. Uh, they have no classes on, uh, on that at all here in this, uh, this prison, but I could get books. And so the job that I had, they had books on computer programming. And I had this one guy that kind of knew all that stuff, and so I was kind of just watching what he did and asking him questions, and then trying to figure all these things out. And then I was like, I was talking to one of my uh, one of my friends. He had a guy now. He did like twenty some years, and he got into uh, networking and uh, computer refurnishing and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, look, he goes, unless you want to spend spend hours in front of a computer, um, just writing computer code, which is cool, but I mean, it's, it's pretty boring, you know what I mean? Yeah. So why don't you get into kind of networking and building the computer networks and all that? And I was like, the problem is I don't got any books, you know, and they're really expensive. He goes, man, I got a whole stack of books. Matter of fact, I'll send you all these books. And so he sent me three books. One's, uh, uh, they're actually the textbooks on how to become certified in it. And so uh, they're pretty, I mean, heavy books or textbooks. So I started studying that and, and I was thinking about, well, I want to get into that because it's, uh, it's universal. So it, it's pretty much the same in every country. I right? oh, literally go travel the world and, yeah. And, you know, the network is the same, you know, the, the computers are kind of the same. And so that's what I've been studying right now. But when I got out here, I haven't touched the book for like four months. So I got to get back into it, you know, so. Yeah. You mentioned traveling. What What's the situation going to be like for you when you do get out with travel? Well, the hope is, so I still have my still. We're still fighting in the courts. Yeah. The decision will come uh, whether to grant me a new trial, you know, throughout the conviction, all that kind of stuff. We pretty much gave them everything we could. Yeah. And it's up to the Court of Appeals uh, to decide. So if that goes good and they, you know, vacate my conviction and then they dismiss this or dismiss, there's a whole lot of obstacles that I have to get past for that to happen. Yeah. But that would make it easier for me to travel because then I'd have no prior conviction. But if I got to do this whole time and it drags out and I'm still fighting out there, that's going to bar me from a lot of different countries because I have a felony conviction and then one for murder, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know. Get up there, like, oh, watch this documentary. I didn't do it. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they won't issue a new visa, so that that's been playing in my mind. You know, Junior then said something that truly floored me, and shows just how insanely difficult it could be for him on the outside if he doesn't get exonerated of his charges. Not only that, but they gave me they gave me the fourteen thousand dollar fine um, when I was convicted hmm. because of interest. That is ballooned into eighty thousand. What? And I owe that. I, yeah, I have to pay. So when they hit you with the fine, they hit you with like, okay. So they hit me with the 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 hospital bills, all those kind of court costs and all that stuff. And then they put it on you, and then it gains interest. It oh never stops God. gaining interest the entire time. So now it's up to eighty thousand dollars, and there's no way. I, I mean, I'm getting fresh out of prison. They're gonna start garnishing my checks as soon as I get out there. And so it's like, 
it's one obstacle after another. So there's so many different things in play. I'm hoping for to be fully exonerated or at least vacate my conviction that I can fight and try to get fully exonerated. <clears throat> but if that doesn't happen, I have to go through this process of getting out. It's going to be really kind of hard out there for me, you know, and that's why I'm trying to do the best I can to position myself so that I'm not stuck in this box where I can't get a job or do this. Lucky, luckily for Washington, well, Washington State is a pretty liberal state. So they have a lot of programs that, that will help, you know, ex-felons or felons. And that's why I'm heading to Seattle because uh, the NSF project said they'll set me up with a job. Uh, I was, I have, I did a lot of programs here in the Maine. I facilitated classes on, on, on different uh, self-awareness programs trying to help the inmate population. I built programs. Uh, uh, right now I'm actually developing a gang intervention class with two other guys. And we're trying to set that up within the prison and then kind of transition it when I get out and start living out there, you know, so it, I want to kind of, when I get out, get into that kind of field. And the Innocence Project already has, you know, a branch of there's like reentry and everything that, that kind of deals with that kind of stuff. But first, I'll have to get probably start from the bottom and just, I don't even, I told him I don't care what job I get. I'll, I'll clean toilets. I don't care. I just need something to start with so I can get established and then I can work up towards this, you know, towards my goals, you know, yeah. which is not going to be easy. You know? It's going to be very hard, but I got it. I can do it though. Well, yeah, I mean, for for someone like yourself, I think, you know, who's been through what you've been through, I don't think there's anything that you can't, you know, take on, so, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, I told my uh, fiancé one time, I said, when when you've dealt with the things I've dealt with, you know, everything else seems pretty, uh, pretty simple after that, because I realize what level of existence I can actually live and survive. So out there, even though if I'm struggling mentally, I can make it because, you know, the things I've been through, so. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, on the subject of the charges and his attempts to clear his name, after a very disheartening hearing in the local court of Yakima County where this all happened, Junior and his team took his case to the next level, the federal court system, where a panel of three judges take a look at the case. And it would seem, finally, the people starting to question elements of his case. Uh, now, I spoke to your sister the other day and she mentioned that you had a, a court case recently and it seemed to go well. I wasn't allowed to actually be present or uh, be a part of it, but I was able to see it, to watch it. And so they actually took me down to the main uh, institution right here, and I was able to watch it on, on, on the Zoom. And it was, uh, there was three judges, 
two of them were pretty, uh, I mean, they pushed pretty hard on the prosecutor attorney because the prosecutor was arguing not to, he was basically saying that, well, he started out with saying that, you know, the, the case is over, everything's done on it, there's no reason he can't bring up things 25 years later. And the judge actually pushed back on it. He was like, so you're telling me that um, if we've got an innocent person in prison, then because the case, the finality case is done, it happened 25 years ago, it doesn't matter anymore? Oh, I love that. That's and so great. it was questioned, like, yeah, they, they hit him back, you know, they kind of pushed back and then... The other judge was like, so isn't it ironic that you're telling us now not to believe uh, this informant, but he was your, you know, your star. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, it was the obviousness. <laughs> obvious, they were hitting him back, and he was like, well, well, you know, yeah. And, and then the other judge hit him hard with that. The other judge goes, so, so basically the, the, the response of the prosecutor attorney when he, when he responded to our, our brief, he responded by saying that this informant is not trustworthy. He's this. He's like, a whole two or three pages of how terrible this, this informant is. And then he listed every crime that he's been convicted of. Right? Yeah, this guy was one of the back so of their case. Exactly. So he starts naming it off, and the judge goes, "Oh, he goes, what is he convicted of?" And then he kind of the prosecutor started kind of to answer. He goes, "No, no, I got a list right here." So he started naming all these things, and he goes, "So when did this start to happen? Did it start happening after he testified?" And, and then the the prosecutor goes, "Oh, yeah, that's good." And he goes, "No, the, the judge stopped him." Right? He said, "No, no, no, it didn't because." Apparently, it's for your own paperwork. He started months and years before he even testified that he already had these crimes. So now you're telling me that he's telling he's telling a lie now. And he goes, "What about the judge?" He goes, "Did the judge uh, believe the informant before?" And then the prosecutors were like, "Yes, he believed him before." And he goes, "No, no, no, hold up. I'll tell you what the judge says." The judge says, "He goes, I don't know if he was telling the truth then and lying now, or lying now and telling the truth then." He goes, "I don't know what the truth is." And he goes to the prosecutor, "He goes, you mean to tell me that we have somebody in prison for 25 years now?" And the judge doesn't even know what the truth is. For me, that was encouraging because the judge prior to that, the one in Yakima County, it was like he didn't even hear us, like we weren't even yeah. there. And the, the prosecutor was pretty much sitting, you know, like he was so confident. To me, it was it was encouraging because, like I said, there, these... Uh, these questions doesn't necessarily mean that they, you know they're deciding, but at least no, they're finally they're, they're at least challenging. They're challenging him. They're actually going. No, hold on a second. What you're saying to us is not to trust this guy, whereas he was the backbone of your original case. So what is it? Do we trust him or do we not? Exactly. You know, and the other judge said it the way she said it. She was, isn't it? It's ironic now. Now that you're telling us not to, but then you know, and it seems so odd that he's fighting so much against this person. But prior to all that, during trial, he, they were pumping him up, up as being this concerned citizen, and he's doing what's best for society and all this kind of stuff, you know. But when he, when he recants and all of a sudden, you know, tells the truth about what actually went on, now nobody should trust him. It's infuriating, yeah. and it's, it's purely because it doesn't fit their narrative. As soon as it doesn't fit their narrative, then it's like, oh, well, he can't be trusted. I would understand if, if that was just a small portion of the case, but that person right there created everything else because yeah. everything followed him. They were the reason why they brought my picture up. They were the reason why they, you know, they talked to Phil, all that kind of stuff about him. He started everything. It started with him. And, and if the essential, the, the, the foundation of what they started on was a lie, then that puts everything else in jeopardy. And yeah, that means that, well, what about this other stuff? You know what I mean? And then the other judge was like, they didn't have the information about the, the truck being this or truck being, you know, you know, destroyed evidence, all that kind of stuff. And he tried to push back and he's like, well, his lawyer knew that the truck was sold. And he goes, she goes, well, don't you think it, that the jury needed to know? Couldn't that, you know, add certain questions or her credibility if they had this information? Apparently they didn't have it. And, and so he, they were pushing back pretty hard. One of the judges seemed pro-state. She kept, you know, kind of answering his questions and pushing back on things and that kind of stuff. But two judges seemed to be pretty open. And one of the judges mentioned, you know, 
innocent person in prison two different times, you know. Yeah. So to me that was that was really encouraging because like I said, I don't know if it's because the first judge was so, you know, on on pro state or on their side that he didn't he didn't push back on nothing. And then these judges, you know, push back a little that it seems makes it look even better, but for whatever reason it was it was just encouraging to see that. Because if they're asking those kind of questions, then at the very least they're actually looking at the, you know, the case in a kind of objective kind of way. That is the most frustrating thing is where we're all sitting here going, hold on a second, why are we not pushing back on these things? Why are we not at least asking the questions? So at least two judges are seeing some sense and saying, hold on a second, answer this for me. Exactly. And he couldn't, he couldn't answer them because they're, they're so, how do you, I mean, if it's so, and that's why he, he stayed trying to, the prosecutor stayed trying to argue the finality because, you know, that it doesn't matter anymore because it's 25 years, memories of big, and he tried to just not even talk about that. And the judge was right when he pushed back, when he said, look, if, you're, if a guy's in prison for something he didn't do, we're just supposed to, basically he was saying we're supposed to ignore that because 25 years passed. Yeah, just because it's been a long time. Oh, it's been forever. Let's not worry about that. Just move on. Exactly. And he called him on it and he couldn't really answer it. The amount of cases that I, I talk about and I talk to people and they tell me, well, you know, it's like a, another guy I'm talking to, like some shell casings were found in his backyard, but they were just picked up in the, a detective apparently picked him up in his hand and put him in his pocket. And, and, and that became evidence, like key evidence in this murder. And I'm like going, how is no one, how is no one going, hold on a second, wh- wh- where's the chain of custody for this evidence? Why, why are you just picking up this evidence with your hand? And no one questions it. And you're pulling your hair out going, why is nobody questioning this right now? Am I, am I insane? And it's like with your story. Why is no one questioning the fact that this guy's come out and lied, the fact that this truck was cleaned? So at least we have two judges that have started yeah. questioning and asking why and asking, to, asking for explanations. And they did it to my lawyers too. But we had that stuff, so we could explain it. You know, it was it wasn't it wasn't hard to argue because we could say, okay, this is what we got, this is how we got it, this is where it came from, and there it is. And for him, it was like he was just, uh, you know, trying to. Because know, yeah, exactly. Make, because know, because there's no way of explaining why all of us. And a simple question is like you said to trust him. This was one of your key witnesses. You said to trust him. That's what started this whole thing in the first place. And now you're saying not to trust him. So, okay, so why? And the only way, the only explanation for that is because, well, he's changed his opinion uh, and it doesn't fit our case. So we're telling you now just not to listen to him because it works against us. That's the answer that he should be giving. Yeah, exactly. The worst part about it is that they're, it's like, for me, it's like they're defending a position which to a certain extent I think they know is a lie or they know where they totally. mess up, but they're doing it simply out of the, the either it's prestige or they don't want to look They want to save face. But they're fighting it. it. Yeah, yeah, they're fighting to get something that they're supposed to be protecting. That's truth. You know, why would you sit here and, and, and hold on to something simply because you don't want to look bad or, you know, you hold us to the, everybody else to these standards that, you know, the law, this, the law, that, and then yet when truth is staring in your face, you're arguing for the lie, you know, which is horrible, you know. And I, I mean, I had this very discussion with, um, I spoke with uh, the gentleman, oh, what's his name? I completely forgot a blank to his name now, but he came and visited you in prison. He was part of the wrong man show, um, Ira Todd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ira, yeah. Yeah, Ira, yeah. And we had this very discussion about these people just basically locking people away and not wanting to reverse their decisions purely to save face. And, and it's purely for their own ego, their own their reputation, and they're willing for someone to spend the rest of their lives in prison for something they didn't do just to save face. Exactly. It's, it's horrible, you know. When did justice become about that? You know? The ultimate question, how long before we might get an answer on what's next for Junior? 
I, I know when it when it comes to these things, it's uh, sort of how long's a piece of string. But any idea on how long before we get a decision? So the it's either six or nine months. That's that's the what I was given the average. So I think I'll probably get a dis- I'll probably hear something about it, uh, maybe late this year, uh, early next year. And typically, I go with the. So if they say tell me most six to eight, eight six to eight months or six to nine months, I always go well, probably nine months or more. And that's just my way of thinking because typically it goes longer. Yeah. One thing I've I've sort yeah. of learned, I think, from from doing what I do is that although longer is frustrating, it's sometimes better because it means they are taking their time to really look at everything and to you know if if it happens real quick, then sometimes it can be a case that they're just rubber stamping and saying denied. Whereas if they if it takes longer, it means they're actually really looking into this um, this case and the situation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's that's what the lawyers are saying too. So and so I just told my family, I told my sister and them, look, you know. Uh, We've been waiting a long time, but yeah, we're here. Now we're just, all we need to do, it took us that long just to get it in front of them, you know, and that in itself was a victory. So let's just wait and see, you know, and, and, and in the meantime, I'm doing positive stuff, you know, I'm working towards, you know, good things, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, and I'm going to be all right, you know, so it's, I'm good, you know, it sucks, it's horrible, we want it to happen today, but let them make a decision. come in. Turn from white to gray, then fade to nothing. They fall down to the ground just to be reborn again. The cycle. Thank you for everything, Jack. I, I appreciate it. I'm grateful, and, and like I said, my family and, and my fiance really, really, really liked the, the podcast and everything. I got to listen to it too. So I'm glad it was great. And that's where we'll leave it for now. But of course, we will stay up to date with Junior and his case and we'll bring you news as soon as we get it. One Minute Remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Produced, hosted and created by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This show is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.